This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as you are listening to us from all over the world, but on the radio in all of Tampa Bay and Jacksonville on the First Coast and Hampton Roads, Virginia, but of course all over the road on the podcast. We want to thank those of you that are listening to the podcast and they contact us and send us emails. We love hearing from you, our listeners, especially when we know that we could never talk to you by phone, but we get to talk to you by email. So send us how the show is impacting you and what you've been listening. That's right, Jim, but they can actually talk to us by phone on our listener line. So it's 866-713-9675. It is but a one-way. But if you're in way. Africa, then yeah, they're okay. not gonna, it's really that's, expensive for them to call an 800 number. That's okay. all I'm saying. Well, there you go. But we do have that as an option, 866-713-9675. But do reach out to us. Um, go to our website, iworkforhim.com. We would love to hear from you. We have a contact page there. And while you're out there, take a look around. Take a look at some of the resources that we have available. We have a book list. We haven't talked about that in a while, Jim, but we have a book list of books that we've um, read, recommend. We certainly don't list everything that we've ever read. We really try There's to just make some highlights. But um, it is a, it's, I know a lot of people use that as a resource as well. So hope people enjoy walking around the website. You know, the, all of it, the interviews this week have been courtesy of the Christian Leadership Alliance. We've been on location in Dallas, Texas. Their annual Outcomes 2019 event. If you want to check out what's been going on at the Outcomes Conference, just type in hashtag Outcomes 19. Or if you're an old guy, pound Outcomes 19. However you want to get it done. But that's how you can find out what's been going on. The Christian Leadership Alliance helps ministries with the business of ministry. And they really help you do an, become more effective, more efficient, and greater stewards of the, the mission that God has laid upon your heart. Check them out online, christianleadershipalliance.org, christianleadershipalliance.org. All right, our conversation today goes to Scott Vanderlei with Masterworks. We're going to hear all about this and how it, can, how it will impact you personally and we're going to talk about unleashing generosity in today's world. Scott Vanderlei, welcome to I Work For Him. Jim and Martha, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to hear your story. And as we do, Scott, with every first-time guest on I Work For Him, yeah. um, we always ask the question, how did you become a Jesus follower? So, Scott, tell us how you became a Jesus follower. Well, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me at a pretty early age. I think it was four years old, and I was on a camping trip with my family. And I told my mom and dad that I, I wanted to ask Jesus into my heart. Um, and I did. As the years went on, I became a teenager, though. I, I had, I, I guess, what I would describe as a fairly immature faith. Of, I was sort of interrupting the process of sanctification with my own selfishness. And so in my 20s, uh, I had really the, the first major crisis of my life. Something really difficult happened to me. And uh, as I was trying to recover from that and move forward, that's really the point at which the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, you know, basically forced me to choose. Was, was Jesus enough? Was God enough for me? And uh, it was when I made that choice, I think. I'd been a Christian all through that point. Uh, but it was when, when I made that choice that I gained understanding myself, I think, of what Christianity mm -hmm. meant. It sounds like that life. was when you became a Jesus follower. That's probably when you went, true. When yeah. you went all in. Do you care to share what that incident was? Yeah, I, you know, I'd got married young, which as this foolish young person I thought was going to be easy. and, and, and you <laughs> Yeah, because marriage is easy. <laughs> it was not easy. It was wonderful. I'm still married to her 25-plus years later. But, um, but uh, we, you know, we, we, hit some, we hit a rough patch, and, and, and she left. And uh, 
I wanted nothing but her back. And uh, that was ultimately God's will, thank goodness. But, but first God needed me to realize that all I really needed was him. Mm, that's awesome. So at what point in your life did you make the connection then between your faith that was yeah. growing through all of this and the work that you were doing on a daily basis? Yeah. Well, when I was a little kid, I loved video games, which... It's relevant. I'll come back to it yeah. later. So, so when <laughs> I graduated, nice little relevant. thought there. No. <laughs> so when I graduated from college, I got into a, a job doing public relations for technology companies in, okay. in Seattle, where I live. In the in the mid late nineties, that was really exploding mm -hmm. via Microsoft, and so that was the work I was doing. My dad is a pastor and had been. I'd, I'd gone to his church for thirty plus years at that point, or uh, sorry, for 20, 20 plus years at that point, um, and uh, and he had always wanted me to enter the ministry, which I didn't. I didn't believe was, was the call of my life, but I did think that he had a point about the importance of using our talents to serve, to serve the kingdom and doing that as directly and fundamentally as possible. So when I had the opportunity to shift from a job doing you know, public relations and marketing for high-tech companies to one doing that for Christian ministries, then I took that. And that was the point at which it really, in a real way, what I did for a living and what I did for the kingdom became one thing. And wasn't that an amazing time in your life when you realized you didn't have to be a pulpit pastor yeah. in order to make an impact? Yep. Uh, I mean, and that's that paradigm shift that we talk about all the time. Uh, you know, um, Romans 12, 2 says, stop copying the behaviors and customs of this world and let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, the, the world thinks that religious people have to be in a church. But the truth is that Jesus followers need to be everywhere. We need to infiltrate society from one end to the other and make an impact where we are because our excellence in what we do, I mean, just living out Jesus wherever we go should impact all of those around us, whether they believe or not. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about your relationship. Well, you've been, you've been, we're, we're here in Connection Central as part of the Christian Leadership Alliance Outcomes 19 event, and your company, Masterworks, has been providing free coffee and free espresso to people, which is amazing. Uh, you've been doing this for days already. Well, why did you decide to do, you, you, you figured that's the, the greatest way to get people to your booth or what? Well, that's part of, uh, you know, well, first of all, we're from the Seattle area, and so coffee's so kind of our thing, right? So you got a new coffee. It's in your that's blood. Right. Why is it? Is that because Se Seattle's just so cold all the time you gotta have coffee or <laughs> that's what? part of it and, and because it's so dark and, and rainy we tend to be kind of depressed so you need that uh the caffeine to pick you up but also it's because you could move you know <laughs> there's that too but also it's because uh, that's where starbucks was founded sure. so it, that created we won't hold that against you it's okay <laughs> we appreciate that um speaking to a guy who's got a mountain dew in his hand so yeah. then, you know this is for those that are not able to see this live, you know, this is the, the right. context. <laughs> Caffeine's a good thing. So that's part of it. But the other part is obviously it's, it's something that draws people to the booth and sure. that's, that's part of what we want to be able to meet people and let them know what we do. And, and coffee is one way to make that happen. And you're doing that very generously. And, oh. you know, we're going to talk about generosity throughout this show. And a lot of people, you know, it's like, oh, I can give away something that's going to cost me, you know, a quarter or 50 cents or whatever. But for a lot of people, you know, what you're doing with espresso is a, a very generous gift. It's, and it's a beautiful booth. I just want to say it's go. very, very kind. I missed. I was looking for the espresso, the Mountain Dew espresso machine, but I, didn't, I did not <laughs> find it. You can yeah. find that. They oh. haven't invented it yet, honey. I'll make a suggestion that we include a Mountain Dew spigot next well, time. I'm, that, that's <laughs> it, a Mountain Dew spigot. I like the way that just sounds. 
All right. We'll so be here. Scott Vanderlei from Masterworks. You can check him out online. If you want to really find out where this conversation is going, go to masterworks.com, masterworks.com. What kind of work does the Lord have you doing on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, well, I'm, I, I, do str- I lead our strategy team, which sounds like a whole bunch of nothing, right? But uh, <laughs> what that really means is that we, we create the plans for, uh, for the clients we serve. Uh, the clients we serve are a variety of different Christian ministries, some, some large, some kind of medium or smaller sized, across a, a variety of different work. So working with the church overseas, working with prisoners here in the United States, working with people experiencing the scourge of homelessness in, in cities around the nation. And my part of that is, is looking at what they're meeting with them and looking at what their objectives are, and then understanding which strategies we can pr- recommend, whether it be different approaches with digital or, or you know, multi-channel or different markets we can uh, attract and approach, uh, different strategies to help them either meet or exceed those objectives. Okay, that described it in big. I want to talk yeah. about the impact. I mean, how are you making an impact on the kingdom each and every day? I mean, you're, yeah. you're working, so you're working with nonprofit organizations, for-profit organizations, churches. You're working with small and big. I mean, all of that stuff? Yep. Only in the Christian world, or you work outside of the Christian world, too? It's exclusively in the Christian world right now. Uh, that, 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 is, that is our focus. That's really our calling, our passion, and so that's where we focused our efforts. So then as you're focusing your efforts on that, what is it that you're trying to, um, to really yeah. help them do? Yeah, for, well, for a lot of what we do with them is growth through you know, increased revenue to the, to the ministry. So we come in and say, what's the right way to attract people who can become donors? What's the right way to move those donors upward in terms of their level of commitment? And, uh, and to make that a commitment that lasts, you know, hopefully a lifetime in most cases. Mm-hmm. And through that, more revenue coming into the ministry. And through that, the work, the real work of the ministry growing and expanding and it, it affecting more people. Masterworks. Masterworks is a full-service marketing agency that moves people's hearts and minds to action for faith-based organizations, purposes, and causes. So you're working with Jesus followers who run organizations, Scott, and we're talking nonprofits and for-profits, but... Both, right? It's mainly nonprofit, but but we do work with both. And but you got uh, for profits that want to, you know, that are faith based organizations, yep, right? Yep, that's right. All right. You said you you help them figure out the best way to generate revenue for those organizations. That's right, yep. All right. So, like, give us an example. You don't have to give a name of a company, but give us some uh, example of recently some things that you've done. Yeah. So one of the things that's a real focus for us right now, because of what's happened in in kind of the media world over the last five years or so, um, is that. Really, the, the, the traditional way that many organizations raised revenue, which was through list-based marketing, is it's, it's flattening and it's even starting to decline somewhat. There, there are just fewer people showing up on lists these days because mail order isn't what it used to be, phone-in isn't what it used to be in terms of people spending money. So one of the things that's become a real focus for us is audience building, primarily in the digital space, where... We're helping ministries put just great content about what they do out there. And as people see that content and read it and, and get involved online, maybe by you know, sending an email address, maybe just by liking them on Facebook, we are able to gather information about that person and what they're interested in and follow up with communications that eventually cause them to give and then also give us a good idea in that ministry, a good idea about how to keep interacting with that person over time in a way that's going to really touch their heart and get them where they want to be in terms of supporting that ministry, but also mean that they'll support that ministry to the greatest degree possible. Uh, that's been a real focus for us because we th- we're seeing the most growth 
in terms of people's willingness to give in that, in that approach. All right, so give us an example of, a, of an organization approach that said, hey, we yeah. need help growing. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a specific example. We work right now with Open Doors, which is an organization I just love. Um, and uh, in fact, it's an organization even when I was young that, that my parents supported and I, mm -hmm. I now support. Um, they work with the persecuted church overseas. Okay. And uh, a lot of what, you know, when I talk about audience building, which is a real focus for us with them right now, a lot of that starts with them putting the stories of the, the Christians that they are, they are supporting walking alongside. You know, they're in those countries with Christians facing persecution, and they're walking alongside them. And uh, so those stories, and in many cases it's video or, or, you know, or, or a story that just came over from something that just happened. Uh, we're sharing those with people. People are reading those things, and they want to do something. So right off the bat, they're signing up for a prayer list so they know how to pray for the persecuted church. Or in some cases, they're even writing a letter to that affected Christian. Um, so it becomes fairly natural once they've done that, that when an opportunity comes up to help that part of the world or to help that part of the church, they're going to want to, you know, their heart is going to be touched and they're going to want to do that. And they're going to want to keep hearing about that, how their gift made a difference and how they can continue to help. They might do that through signing up for a monthly gift or they might do that just through a series of gifts. But either way, by pulling them into that work with content and with kind of a virtual experience in digital, we've been able them to, to feel like part of the work that Open Doors is doing, but also part of the solution in terms of supporting that work. Mm, that's so fabulous. And I, you know, I love that you said, you know, this is one that I, you know, really, uh, you're personally yeah. involved in. Um, so let's go to that context for just a moment, because I know a lot of times when you're in an organization that is serving a bench of um, believers, mm -hmm. that it's sometimes easy to let our own faith yeah. not shine. Yeah. And um, so what are you doing to make Jesus real in the mm. people that you're working alongside every yeah. day? You know, I, before I came to Masterworks years ago, I worked at World Vision, which is a, is a relief and development organization, faith-based relief and development organization that also is in the Seattle area. And I had, a, I had a boss there, I think he's here this week actually, Atul Tandon, um, he spoke earlier. Uh, he, he, always, he always reminded me of the verse in Micah. Uh, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And he would always say, are you doing it? Because hmm. what he said is, the key to being a Christian professional is those three things. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. So from that point forward, I've tried, and sometimes I've failed. But I've tried as it relates to how I'm doing my job and how I'm interacting with my coworkers to say, am I following those three tenets? Because mm -hmm. if you I ask am, them those questions, you ask them the questions. Your coworkers. More than that, I ask myself those questions. Well, but, I, but it's way more fun if you ask your coworkers. Yeah. Like, hey, what are you doing? I mean, how am I doing? I mean, you, do you have people <laughs> yeah, that's who report a good idea. to you? You have people who report to you. I do. Hey, if there's anybody over there in the Masterworks booth, you'd like to be able to comment on Scott's because uh, <laughs> they're right here. I hear them making coffee at their espresso. They're at the like, same oh, we're hey, we want to know how Scott's doing. We want to know how Scott's doing. Come on up, and we'll put you on the air. <laughs> uh, so it's nothing like live radio, my friend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, how does your? I mean, you work. You, we work in a broken world, and you're helping people all over the world. How does your work give you a unique vantage point into that brokenness? Yeah. Well, well, in one way, I see it through the work that the organizations we support, that we work with, what they do. Uh, when, you see, when you see homelessness in Seattle or, or on Skid Row in Los Angeles, which are both, you know, those are both communities we work in, uh, or, or we, we work with organizations that work in those communities, I mean, there is real brokenness there. I mean, there's real hope, too, and that's what we're... You know, we're seeking to share, or the organizations we support are seeking to share, but there's a real brokenness there. Um, 
or, or when you see what's happening to the church overseas, or when you, see, when you see what's happening in prisons in our country, you see that brokenness. You also see the opportunity to, to change that, to transform that in the name of Christ, and which is really what we're doing. Um, in terms of the work we do and calling people to support, it's a different kind of brokenness you run into, and, and we all wrestle with it. And it's this thing, and the way I would characterize it, and related to generosity especially, is that in the United States and in our culture, we tend to really, we're, we're taught to value security and success, right? And we tend to think of the accumulation of wealth as security, hmm. and then the spending of wealth on ourselves as success. And being generous, it flies in the face of both of those things. <laughs> and that is brokenness, in a, in a sense, and calling people, including ourselves, to be able to see the world in a different way and to see generosity as a key. Over and above, in some cases, success. Over and above, in some cases, uh, security. That's part of how I think we address brokenness in this world. Well, and I think what's, what's amazing about that, what you just said, is that the world is taught. I mean, we're taught that our security comes from our money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yet, anybody that lived through the Great Depression yeah. or the Great Recession knows that wealth is fleeting. I mean, you get people all over the country that lost 50% of the value of their homes you know, in, a, in a period of a year. Yeah. Their, their stock market portfolio is crashing. Now, if they'd held on, it'd be phenomenal today. I mean, but, but, the, the, but it doesn't give any security because I've right. met rich people. You've met rich people. Yeah. And, and are they ever satisfied? No, I think the more money you get, the more you want. I yeah, think that's well, a natural tendency. Yeah, they just want tendency. just a little bit more would yeah. make them feel better. So it doesn't bring security. Yet generosity, as you enter into this part of the conversation... When people understand that as Jesus followers, generosity is supposed to flow from our hearts, and when you become generous, when you become a generous person where everything you have is available to give away, all of a sudden nothing's got a hold on you, and you do find your security because you realize that God is your provider instead of you. Yeah, yeah. So go you ahead. Know, I was just thinking about this. If, if Masterworks didn't have a mindset for generosity your work would look very different because yeah. you would just be trying to get money. Yes. And so how, how do you cultivate that culture even within your mm-hmm. co your workers? Because if they're just be if they just think we need to raise money, raise money, raise money, but it's not a, the, the heart isn't in the right place. I can imagine the output is very different. Yeah. I would say, I mean, with Masterworks, it starts at the top and Steve Woodworth is our, our president and is a, is a generous man himself. And, um, and he's, he's humble about that, yet open about that. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. Part of it is in the culture of the, of the company. A good example of this, uh, so Friday is good, fr- tomorrow is good Friday. And uh, many, many companies, especially on the West Coast, many companies don't, don't celebrate that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a religious holiday. Um, Masterworks not only celebrates that, honors or, or um, observes Good Friday, but the way they observe Good Friday is they call it the day of generosity. Okay. So every employee signs up for a different opportunity to get involved in a local ministry, whether it's, you know, what I'm going to be doing tomorrow is delivering um, care packages, uh, Easter baskets, actually, mm-hmm. to, uh, to a local rescue mission, uh, Seattle's Union Gospel Mission, which okay. is one of our clients. Yep. But other people are working in other local ministries, some of which are clients, some of which aren't. Right. The point is, isn't really... Um, whether it's the, this is a client or not, the point is, what are we individually doing? Not just through the work we do, but what are we individually doing in our own lives to be generous? And I think that's a, it's a good example of mm-hmm. how Massworks as a company tries to inspire generosity, not just in sort of the way we spend our, our, 
our, our paid hours, right? but also in the way we live our lives when we're not in the office. And that's so powerful because that, that makes an imp- impact on each and every person in a different way because mm-hmm. we know that when we serve individually, um, we get so much more back. And that, yeah. that concept, if you're not living it out, you really can't even begin to explain it. Yeah. So, Scott, would you have considered yourself a generous person before you went to work at Masterworks? Maybe in the sense that I've been, I've been in this area a while, but, but being at Masterworks has helped. It's, I'm, I'm Dutch. Vanderlei, it's probably pretty obvious, right? <laughs> um, and I'm actually 100% Dutch. My, my mother's maiden name is Bovenkamp, which is also a Dutch name. And uh, the Dutch are known for their thriftiness. So we, yes, we, live, yes, we, we use Florida, that. We you here know? in Florida just call it cheap because we have a very, <laughs> we have a very good friend who lives across the street from us. Who if we just call him cheap. But we yeah. used to say going Dutch on on right, a date yeah. because yep. you know the guy didn't want to pay. But if you're a waiter or a waitress in Florida, yeah, when the Dutch or the Canadians come, they're like, "There we go, we're not going to get a big tip now." <laughs> yeah. Okay, Scott Vanderley. The point was it to, yeah, but you you were saying you're all Dutch yeah. and you were going to go. You had a point to to say in it, and then I interrupted, and I went off on some rabbit trail. And so I have a genetic tendency towards thrif- thriftiness. It's, <laughs> it's been a... That's uh, a kind. <laughs> yeah. I have a kind. genetic tendency towards being cheap. Thrif- okay. Yeah. All right. but, but what I've been able to discover, you know, partly through sort of, I guess, the example of my father, who's a very generous man, my father-in-law, who's also Dutch, and a very generous man, um, and, and working in, first in, in uh, faith-based organizations like World Vision, and then now at a place like Masterworks, what I've learned is... You can be thrifty and also generous. In fact, in some ways, the thriftier you are, the more generous you can afford to be. And that's, that's the balance I've, I, I've learned in part by working at Masterworks, and that I think we all as believers ought to, ought to learn. I love it. You can be thrifty and you can be generous, but if you're more thrifty, you get to be more generous. That's, I like that. It's a good mm-hmm. point. All right, I want to just step back from it. We're here at the Christian Leadership Alliance Outcomes 2019 event. Love for every, anybody that's connected to a nonprofit, a Christian nonprofit in any way. And, and of course, a nonprofit can't be a Christian. They're not Jesus followers. But the people inside are. And the whole intent is to further the gospel, to build the kingdom. ChristianLeadershipAlliance.org. ChristianLeadershipAlliance.org. They help you with the business of running your ministry. And I love that line. Tammy Heim used that on a show earlier this week. I love that conversation. If you want to be excellent in what you do as you run your nonprofit that wants to further the gospel and build the kingdom, then you need to check out the Christian Leadership Alliance. It is just a phenomenal resource. Today we're talking with Scott Vanderlei from Masterworks. You can check it out online, masterworks.com. Scott, if you were to check, just say, hey, here's what we do in 30 seconds or less. What is it that Masterworks is all about? Well, I guess our tagline is inspiring generosity, so that's where I'd start. But the other thing I'd say is we, we develop effective strategies to grow Christian ministries. Uh, primarily through revenue, but also through brand, increased brand awareness. You, you said something on an earlier part of, uh, of the show that hey, you do audience building, yeah. and you, you help them increase revenue. What are, so let's just take iWork for, for example. So yeah. we're on 11 stations, but we really want to go nationwide because the ministries we highlight need to be highlighted nationwide. Yeah. How would you go about helping a ministry, a radio ministry like iWork for him, which is in Florida, how would you help us grow, do yeah. audience building. What's some of the things you might be able to help us with? So in addition to what you're already doing, what I would say is all the places you're active right now in the digital space, I would put uh, pixels on those, those sites, like so your own website, websites where you're, where you're um, partnering uh, or where you have you know, a promotion. I would pixel those sites so that as people are interacting with you there, you, you get a record of that interaction and, and who that person is. That's, in many ways, that's the first step of audience building. 
I would then suggest that you make sure when it comes to Google and, and Bing, the search engines, that when it comes to your own name and other names that are other terms that you use when promoting yourself, make sure that you're front and center with, with those terms, which in some cases you can do with a grant. Many of our organizations start with that. In some cases you have to spend a little bit of money to buy a link. But either way, being right up on top when it comes to search is important because when people interact with you and then they want to follow up with you, that's usually where they go. Right. Rather than trying to find your website, they type your name in Google, they type your name in Bing. And whatever pops up first, that's usually what they click on. So you want to make sure that's you. I am Step guilty two. of never checking Bing because I'm just, I, I like the Google yeah. search page because it has no other advertisements on it, no other yeah. salacious content. Okay. True. So that's the first thing you do. Okay. Yeah. But you can't always think like yourself, right? No. True. In fact, a pro tip here because. Google is by far the largest, but we have found when we, when we do search on Bing for the organizations we work with, it tends to have a higher return on investment. And the reason is, and I won't get into detail of why this is, you can, you can put it together yourself, but people who tend to support nonprofits are higher than average in terms of the use of Bing. Interesting. Yeah, they might, uh, okay. my, my theory, I said I wasn't going to say this, but I will. My theory, to the degree that people who support nonprofits tend to be maybe a little older than the national average, Bing is often the, the default search engine that's right. bundled if you buy a computer that has Microsoft you uh, know, software, and, and that's their so search it's engine. The so it may be that people who haven't gone in and changed it to Google, they're the mm -hmm. ones that are, that are searching on Bing. Wow. Okay, there you go. There's a free Little tip right there. Little pro tip right there. Right there. Love that. Okay. All right, so let's talk about, I mean, the whole idea is you guys, Masterworks is all about generosity. Yeah. And, and, and why is that? I, I, I guess the... the the main reason, if I think back to where did all these, you know, where did all these Christian nonprofits come from? I think there was a point, and I believe if I look at when a lot of them started, it was really the late 40s. There was a point at which people in the church said, there's all this need. Part of our calling, I mean, Jesus talks about it so much. Part of our calling is to meet that need, not just by saying, you know, bless you, not just by sharing the gospel, as important as that is, but by also meeting the needs of the people um, who are suffering. Almost doing that first before mm -hmm. you share the gospel. Yeah. Jesus said, hey, yeah, that's the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when, you, when I was hungry, you fed me. Yeah. When, I was, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I needed a place over my, uh, a roof over my head, you gave me a place to stay. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it wasn't so much, hey, tell me the truth and see you later. It was, right. he wanted us to do those things. Right. So I think people saw that and said, hey, this is the church's job. The church is not completely succeeding in, in doing that job yet. We need to create organizations to support that work. So that's where a lot of these organizations came from, is parachurch organizations mm -hmm. that came alongside the church to, to perform the, 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 the holy work of generosity. Masterworks or, and other companies like Masterworks were then formed to support those parachurch organizations in doing that. I, that's where it comes from, is it starts with, starts with Christ calling on us, and it extends to making sure we're really covering all of that calling, including generosity. And what's really important to understand is that all of those organizations that are supporting the church, they're really not parachurch organizations. They're part of the church. Yeah, they're fair. part of the church, and I like to change that language. It is right here. That is one of my passions that I work for him. Parachurch makes people's families feel like, well, we're not the church. We're secondary. No, yeah. it's all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the church. We're not the four walls church. We're the big C church. Yeah, we well, should think of a new term. Yeah, we should. Yeah, well, yeah, because para just seems, well, you're not a church. Yeah. You work in a para church ministry. No, <laughs> it's all the work of Jesus. It's all what he wanted us to be doing. Omni church. 
Omni Church. Ooh, ooh, you heard it right here. First, from Scott Vanderlei from Masterworks. Check him out online, masterworks.com. Okay, Omni Church organizations. That's, I like that. Play with it a little bit, see what you think. No, you're the marketing guy. <laughs> I'm a radio guy. All right, he'll just tell everybody about it. So you, right. you create it, he'll tell everybody. That's right. So one of the things, as we just delve into this whole idea of generosity so much more, um, what is it that you see, um, you know, we... We think that most of your clients need more money, mm-hmm. um, but do you help them at all in the in deciding what it is that they really need more of, or is, do they come to you with their need and then they decide? Or- it's a little bit of both. I mean, okay. in, a, in a sense, they're the they're the experts when it comes to their mission. Mm-hmm. You know, what what has God called them to do in this world? Where we step in and where we you know express our own point of view is in meeting the goals that that requires. So if, if you know, if, if their mission requires financial support, which most of them do, um, what's the best way not only to achieve, but to maintain that financial support? So as a for instance, it's becoming increasingly difficult for most organizations to sustain fairly rapid growth using just, or, or through involving donors who are just giving a series of single gifts, one-time gifts. Mm-hmm. And that's a very common way of supporting nonprofits. Sure. Well, and a growing way of supporting uh, nonprofits, uh, faith-based organizations, is monthly giving. Right. And that coincides with the fact that, you know, giving or spending money monthly is increasingly how our economy works as well. It's, people are starting to call it the subscription economy. Right. Uh, it's Netflix. It's, uh, it's um, Spotify and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, Helping clients, as a for instance, helping the organizations we work with shift toward really subscription giving, sustainer giving, is one of the ways we sort of express a point of view of saying, hey, this is the best way in this day and age to achieve the goals you're achieving. You know, there's other, there's other versions of that, but mm-hmm. that's probably a good example of, of a way that we sort of express point of view in this. Subscription giving, I like that. Just where it's an ongoing, mm-hmm. recurring, it comes out automatically, people don't have to think about it, right. but, it, but, but then it gives the nonprofit, the faith-based nonprofit organization a, a revenue stream that's consistent, yeah. so they're not having to chase after donors all the time. It yeah. actually allows them to do the work they were called to right. do. Right, and there's two other things about it that I think are really cool. One is... If you're partnering with a ministry, how do you do that through a gift every year or a gift every six months? It's not really partnership. It's important, especially if they're large gifts, it matters. But when you're alongside on a monthly basis, that's just a different level of partnership. And that's one of the things that's great about it. The other thing is, if somebody's giving to me monthly, I as a ministry now have a really a, 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 you know, it's a priority to me. I need to be telling them about what their gift is doing. Like the effect they're having and thanking them for that. Whereas if they've only given to me once and close to a year has passed and they haven't given again, I kind of have a requirement. It's kind of obligatory upon me to ask them to give again and to keep asking and to inundate them with requests for giving, which is what frustrates many people about the way ministries raise money. I would a lot rather as a ministry be telling people about all the impact their giving is having than asking them for that next gift. And, and, it, and this model of giving also happens to solve that. You know, we talked earlier about how generosity should be naturally flowing from the heart of the Jesus follower, yet this isn't taught from the, the pulpit much on mm. Sundays, is it? Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, I, I guess some churches may be more than others, but I think it's something, you know, when I, I was raised, and this is interesting, I was raised in a Christian household 
that it was sort of impolite to talk about money, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't talk about, my dad didn't talk about what he made. I didn't talk, I, as, as I became a professional, I never talked about what I made. Or initially, it was because I made so little, I was a little bit embarrassed about it. <laughs> but, but it was just something I didn't talk about. And sometimes I think that cultural sort of, like, and it's a good thing in some ways, it's a, it's a point of modesty. But sometimes I think that cultural thing translates to the pulpit, where it's like, it's, the pastor doesn't want to be rude. He doesn't want to talk about that, because it's sort of a, it's sort of a, in some ways, considered an impolite subject. And also, he doesn't want to seem, or he or she doesn't want to seem self-serving. But we're not talking about money. Right. We're talking about generosity. Yeah. And, and generosity is one of the greatest yeah. gifts to the Jesus followers. Well, that's the thing. It's a bit of a pitfall, because that might be the, sort of the cultural tendency not to talk about it. But Jesus talked about it so much. And he wasn't rude. I mean, he talked about it because it's important. It's a big part of who we are as believers. I definitely think it should be preached from the pulpit. If we're not generous, then money get, and money in our possessions gain a stronghold yeah. in our lives. Yeah. I mean, generosity exactly. is one of those greatest things that, to give us the freedom. Jesus came to set us free. Yeah. And our stuff tends to put a ball and chain on us. Yep, yep, I agree. In fact, I, I think there's a way in which uh, we, we have to be bold in that area. And, and it makes asking for... And, I hope this doesn't sound self-serving, but I believe it's true. It makes being in the business of asking people to give money, being in the business of fundraising, it makes it a ministry. I mean, it's, that's part of their duty as Christians. That's part of what makes their belief a whole thing. Right. Being a part of that as, you know, as, a, as a fundraising or marketing organization, that can be a ministry as well. well and, and helping ministries to raise money so they can focus on the mission that they've been given, that gives you, a, your, your business tree is helping other ministries to do their ministry each and every day, what they've been That's called right. to do. We're talking about generosity today. How do you unleash generosity in today's world? Ladies and gentlemen, we, we talk about Romans 12 too all the time, just that we got to change the way we think by having our mind just, un, I mean, God just kind of wiping in, doing a reset. Generosity in the world's eyes is giving a few bucks here and there. Generosity in Jesus' eyes is giving it all away because we're stewards, we're not owners. And so it's that whole mindset change. And we're talking today with Scott Vanderlei from Masterworks. Check him out online, masterworks.com. You help, you're a full-service marketing agency that moves people's hearts and minds to action for faith-based organizations, purposes and causes. You help them raise money, gain consistent subscribers, as you put them earlier, in order those, so that those organizations can be consistent in delivering the ministry, the mission that they've been called to. Right, yep. Yep, that's no, it. He's a marketing yeah. guy. I figured I'd get more of <laughs> it. Yep, that's right. Yep. Well, okay. he doesn't have any uh, whiteboard or anything up here to share <laughs> all right. his great ideas. So, you know what, before we go on in this conversation, I just had something, I just, I don't know, I just had this moment where I just kind of figured something out. We give mm -hmm. pastors a hard time for not teaching more about generosity, mm -hmm. but... I just now related to them in the sense that, Jim, we often struggle. We're a nonprofit. We run on sponsorship and donations for our uh -huh. radio show, yet we have a we don't have any problem talking about generosity, but teaching generosity for the purpose of ultimately trying to get people to sponsor us uh -huh. makes us uncomfortable. Well, because it seems self-serving. Because right. it does seem self-serving. So how do you Even deal though, with that? Yeah, yeah. So, so in a pastor who says, you know, I just wanted to preach the word. I didn't want to have to fundraise. You know, right. the, how, do they, how do they bridge that and make it about the generosity and not about yeah. the fundraising? I, it's interesting, and I think it's something. I think it's something we as Christians tend to struggle with, and for good reason, because we don't want to be we don't want to be self serving or seem self serving. Mm -hmm. Maybe the thing the thing we all need to remind ourselves, and, and I'm not I'm not 
preaching this at anyone because I struggle with it too. But the thing we all need to remind ourselves is it's not our work, it's God's work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in the work we do, the work you do in this, this uh, program, and the work I do, raising money for ministries, the work that ministries I support do, that's true. That's really true. It's God's work. So when I'm going out of my way to push, maybe even pressure people to support that work, that's not self-serving, that's God-serving. And it, that would be true for you with your radio program as well. And it's maybe something we just need to keep reminding ourselves. This isn't really about us. And because it's not really about us, when we push people to support it, we're pushing people to support God's word. Mm. I mean, that's, and that's a good word because that, I don't know. You, that was a fantastic question, Martha. But it, it's, Scott, it's such an uncomfortable thing because, you know, you'd say it's not self-serving. It's God-serving. Jesus never self-served. He was always serving the Father mm -hmm. and doing what he was told to do yeah. uh, and calling people to be part of it. Yep. Uh, so, but, but it's still that mindset. because, And I think it's probably because we've been bashed on the radio yeah. or bashed on TV, bashed in the newspapers. These people are always asking for money. Right. But we're not talking about asking for money. We're talking about having lives transformed by generosity. Yeah. Talk about how you see that out there in the workplaces and marketplace of America. And I say those two things separately because a lot of people have jobs where they don't see themselves as part of the marketplace. People right. in hospital organizations and government organizations and educational organizations, even though they really are part of the marketplace, they don't see themselves as part of the marketplace. So we break it up. But how, how, do you, how does generosity apply in those uh, yeah. places? And what's it look like? Yeah. So... The church I grew up in is very fond of this man named Abraham Kuyper. Uh, he's, a, he's a 19th century theologian, and, and I think he was briefly prime minister of the Netherlands as well. He said, and I'm going to get this quote wrong, but he said, but I'll get it close. He said, Jesus sees every inch, every square inch, I believe it was, every square inch of this world and says, this is mine. And what that means, and it, and it applies to a way of looking at the world, what it means is there's no part of the world that's just secular. It's all his. Mm -hmm. Whether I am working at a bank or a hospital or an organization helping those affected by homelessness, that's part of Christ's world. And we're supposed to, as Christ followers, be transforming that in his image. And how do we do that? It's in part through generosity. Generosity in the way we support charitable work. Generosity in the way we interact with each other. It's this idea of generosity is giving of yourself to, make, to move his work forward, to bless others, to make things better. Uh, I would say in some ways, that's sort of the, the principle it starts with and growing into that principle ourselves, encouraging each other to see things through that principle, encouraging others to support you know, worthy work because of that principle. You know, so I just want to remind our listeners that we are here at the Outcomes Conference, um, compliments of the Christian Leadership Alliance mm -hmm. here in Dallas, Texas. And this has been one of many opportunities we have had to highlight different people that are in attendance and different sponsors of the um, uh, conference that's going on. So Scott Vanderley of Masterworks, we just want people to know that they can find out more from masterworks.com. Go there if you are intrigued and think that maybe this is a, an organization that can help you to um, inspire generosity yeah. in a whole new way for their organization, or maybe just give them some fresh wind in all that yeah. they're doing and give them a, a, a chance to... Uh, grow and do more of it that God has called them to do. Because that's really ultimately, yeah. you know, we, we don't want to just sit in our little corner and do what we're doing. Uh -huh. If God has something more, you know, that's going to take some funding to get it done. Yeah. And what I would probably say, and I appreciate you saying that, Martha, and what I probably would say in addition to that is for most organizations, for most ministries, this is a critical, this is a critical juncture. 
Because that thing I talked about earlier, the change in the media environment, mm -hmm. it is radically affecting the way we engage with people and the way we bring them in. What we were doing even three or four years ago, it doesn't really work anymore. And so now is the time, if you haven't done it already, where you need to find that new model. Mm -hmm. And I believe a lot of it is building, you know, building audiences who will support you for a lifetime. But whether it's that or something else, finding that new model at this point is crucial in a way that it wasn't even five years ago. And whether it's Masterworks or another organization like it, I think Masterworks is the best. I would, wouldn't I? Uh, I think now is the time, if you haven't already, now is the time to find that, that partnership that's going to help you do that. Well, and, and so Masterworks can help any organization, but you love working, I mean, any faith-based organization, but you love working with nonprofits to help mm -hmm. them be mm -hmm. more effective and engaging yep. an audience that will walk alongside them and help support what they do. That's right. That's really, that's why we exist. So, and I think it's important to just understand that, you know, if somebody decided that they wanted to save babies, that doesn't mean that they're good at marketing and digital. Correct. You know, they don't have that expertise, so you yeah. come alongside them so that they can do more saving babies. Well, it's almost categorical, isn't it, where you find that people that run ministries, uh, they typically are horrible at fundraising. The, there's probably truth to that because they know it in a way no one else knows it. And they, you know, when they think about what would motivate them to respond, it's different than what would motivate one of their typical donors right. to respond. So it's, it's not something typically, oops, sorry, it's not something typically that somebody who is running a ministry is going to be good at. It's just they're good at, there's, there are certain right. things they're better at maybe than anybody, mm -hmm. but, but raising money typically is not one of them. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a matter of calling. I mean, you're a sales guy. You can, that's what you do. I mm -hmm. mean, a lot of ministry leaders, that's not what they're calling us. All right, so let's, have we, have we gotten this information? What trends are you seeing about generosity in today's world? What are you seeing out there? Yeah. People sometimes bemoan this, and there's some truth to it, but I also think there's a great opportunity here. There were, you know, the, 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 the World War II generation, the, many people call it the greatest generation. It was really, in many ways, a generous generation. Um, and I think part of that was that that was a generation, and in many ways it was the last American generation that had experienced real poverty broadly itself. Mm, correct. It through the Depression. And I think that led to a, hey, I remember what this was like. This is a priority to me because I remember what this is like. Mm -hmm. uh, people experience something themselves are a lot more likely to... to, to value it and to make it a priority moving forward. Um, now, you know, as, as boomers age, they are in many ways, they're much wealthier as a whole than the, the previous generation was. Uh, they're having a real impact, but there's been this tendency to say, and I, was, I heard it just yesterday in something somebody here at CLA said, there, there's this tendency to think of them as less generous. And there may be some truth to that. And, and then people say, oh, and never mind, you know, Gen X and the millennials, I mean, they're not generous at all. But this is a challenge to us. I mean, Going through the Depression may have made that last generation generous. Being, you know, having to have gone through World War II and, and being responsible in some of those ways, that may have inspired generosity in them. What, will, what is inspiring generosity in the boomer generation? Some things, you know, there are some very generous boomers out there, mm -hmm. and they have an incredible amount of resources to give. How can we continue to inspire that generation? As the Gen X generation, which I'm part of, as they become the prime giving generation, what is it going to take to inspire them? What is it going to take to inspire millennials, which will be, you know, as nearly as large, if not as large, as the boomer generation? Um, and when they're, at, you know, at the right age, we'll have incredible resources to give. Well, they, they this all, is our challenge. Right, and they already, I mean, the, the millennial generation already is like, I think it's going, to chase, it's just going to take authenticity, transparency. I mean, that's what they mm -hmm. want to see. Scott, you got 20 seconds. What would you no. tell your younger you? My younger you, I would say, focus on what's eternal. When, when I was young, my parents would say to me, 
if, if I broke something or if I lost something. Scott, did it have eternal value? Hmm. And I would say no. And they'd say, well, it didn't matter that much, did it? And I would go back to my room thinking, it mattered a lot to me. And in a way it did. But I, would, I wish then, that I, and, I, and I need to keep on this now, if it has eternal value, as supporting a good ministry does, that's what matters. Amen. Scott Vanderlei with Masterworks. Thanks for being on iWork for him today. Thanks for sharing your story and sharing, Thank you. talking about generosity. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jim. Make sure you check him out online, masterworks.com, masterworks.com. And of course, check out the Christian Leadership Alliance online, christianleadershipalliance.org. You've been listening to Our Work Frame with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.